When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to Mate's Hotland Blog. And I can assure you, you're not going to want to miss this one. I'm joined by Martin, a good friend, channel member, and unfortunately a Manchester United fan, uh, to, to look back at that horrific showing from Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium today. Um, I'm sure Martin will have a lot to say about uh, some decisions and some performances in that game today. But before we do dive into this, I do want to say as well, we will be joined by David, the Irish Hotspur, very shortly. Uh, but Martin, first of all, thank you so much for your time today and how are you getting on? Uh, no problem, Matt. You know, as you know, I've been a long-time subscriber of the channel, so it's nice to finally make my debut. Even though I'm sure for you it's not how you planned it to happen, but for me it couldn't be better, so it's nice to yeah. be here. Lovely. It's, it's good to have you, Martin, again. I do really appreciate your time. Uh, look, before we do dive into this game, everyone, do make sure to hit that like button uh, if you're looking forward to the stream. And if you are new to the channel and you do want more of these uh, live streams, plus live watch-alongs, which will be back for the Everton game on Friday and the Tottenham Fan Voice podcast as well, do make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. But look, let's dive straight into things. And Martin, there's only one place to start, and it is with that very decision that uh, denied Manchester United the opening goal uh, in that first half. Uh, Tomine, a judge to a foul son in the build-up to uh, Cavani's, what turned out to be a disallowed goal. I've had my say in this on Twitter. Um, I'm sure we're going to be in agreement on this one, but what did you make of that decision? It was an absolute shambles of a decision, um, especially when you realise that today in the Burnley and Newcastle match I watched during the day when it was on and James Tarkovsky had a challenge that it was a boot to the head and that was deemed okay and then when you saw what happened with Son and McTominay in my opinion the way I saw it was Son reached in to get McTominay kind of to foul him as such first of all and then McTominay just kind of touched Son in the arm and no sorry the head but the main issue is McTominay's six foot four you know, Hung Yi Hung Song is what, five foot ten. So McTominay's arm is obviously going to be higher. It's going to just hit him in the eye. It's just the fiasco that evolves when Son was on the ground for maybe three minutes as well. They had the injury people come in to take a look at him. I was like, I do not know what is happening. Yeah, it was, look, from a Spurs point of view, it, it, it was embarrassing the way Son reacted to that. But it's the way Jose plays. And I've seen a lot of people say, uh, like, I've been defending Son for the whole time he's been in Spurs and I will continue to do that but some people have said you know in recent months maybe in the past year or so probably stemming from that incident against Chelsea last year when he was sent off for apparently kicking out at Rudiger people are saying oh well son he's not an honest player he's not that player everyone has come to love but I do think that is uh, an effect of, of working under Jose Mourinho for so much time but I think it was it was a, it was a farcical decision and, and I said that on Twitter straight away you know a lot of Spurs fans were comparing it to Eric Lamella and his incident when he got sent off against Arsenal a few weeks back but I, I said that was the wrong decision as well. And Spurs fans saying it was the wrong decision then are saying it's the right decision now. And I feel, you know, we can't demand so much consistency from VAR if we're going to be like this in our decision. And look, don't get me wrong. I, I was happy at the time that the decision did go our way. You know, at the end of the day, it was it was a goal for United that uh, was disallowed. It was in our favour. So I was happy the decision was made. But that doesn't necessarily mean I agree with the decision. And I do think it, it was an absolute joke. And the only thing that could have made that decision worse was 
what eventually happened with someone down the other end five minutes later and, and giving Spurs the lead. You know, if you'd given someone a pen and paper and told them to, to write a script and what would happen then, it was it was for Son to, to go and do that. And look, from a Spurs point of view, it was a very well-worked goal. I think Harry came with a really delicate pass into Lucas Moura and uh, some very good play with that uh, ball across to Son. And look, he made that finish look easy. Um, I don't think it was. But from a United point of view, were you disappointed with the defending for that one? And I'm looking mainly at uh, Victor Lindelof. Yes, um, I think before we even get to that side of the pitch, I think the decision that happened really did mess with the lads' heads. Their heads mm-hmm. were gone. We saw some rash challenges going in, in before that. But it was a wonderfully worked goal. I was remember, obviously, my mentality is different now than watching it back then. But I saw mm-hmm. when Hoiberg came back, almost like a back five to pick up the ball and then... He launched it up and then it was a wonderful work goal. Lucas Moore really surprised me today, actually. Um, he had he wasn't very selfish. I know he's not a selfish player anyway, but in that situation, you wouldn't bat an eyelid if he was to take a shot. You'd be like, fair enough, you could see that. So the fact that he passed it on was incredible. But for Victor mm-hmm. Lindelof, he just got out outplayed pretty much, you know. These things happen. He was kind of caught in the hop and I, at the time, I was like, mm, Lindelof, what are you doing? But looking back, it was just a well-worked goal. Yeah, I think I agree with that from, from Spurs' point of view. We, we worked it well. Um, we have uh, Mohinder Singh here with the $2, uh, two Canadian dollar super chat. says, sell Deadwood and please sign Anderson and Batman. Uh, Mohinder, thank you very much for the super chat. It is greatly appreciated. And those are two players that I would love to see at Spurs. We have videos out um, on, on Joachim Manderson. I'm sure Sven Botman is someone we will be talking about in the coming weeks, so do make sure to go and check those out. But again, thank you so much uh, for the support. Uh, before we do go on any further, let's bring in uh, David, the Irish Hotspur, uh, to this discussion. David, what what happened? It's Look, it, it, it's gut-wrenching. It's the same thing we've seen all season. Can't hold on to a lead. And to be honest with you, Matt, the warning signs were there before half-time. Going into stoppage time at half-time, United, um, you know, had two chances. And you could see we were getting nervy and rickety then. And then the second half, look, we just capitulated. Players stopped running. and Positionally, we were all over the shop. And I'm, I'm just fed up. I think it's all come to an end, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And look, we're, we're going to talk a lot about this situation as the stream continues. I think it's very good to have Martin in here today, a United fan who has has lived through all this Marine, with Mourinho. So after we discuss the game, everyone watching, we will be talking about this situation from a, a United fan's point of view as well. Uh, something else I want to touch on, uh, Jiminy, as always, thank you so much for tuning in, says, I'm so damn livid at the racist abuse Son has suffered during and after this game. I feel sick to my stomach over this. And it's something we're talking about after every single game uh, at the moment. I just want to say, look, from our point of view, Anyone, and I mean anybody who has seen uh, putting racist abuse in this live chat in the comments or anyone on Twitter who are recognized from this channel, you will be immediately banned. You'll be immediately reported and you'll never be seen back in a live chat on this channel. It is disgusting. It is disgraceful. And no criticism of any player should ever become personal, ever. So just leave it out because it, it's just not wanted. And it, it, it genuinely does need to stop. Um, but yeah, look, let's get back to the game because we don't want to uh, focus too much on that one. Um, and we, actually, I want to touch a bit on the lineup. So um, I, I regret overlooking at this stage, but... Martin, McFred, I, I was speaking to some uh, United fans uh, before this game. They were saying, no, it's going to be Pogba and McTominay um, in that double pivot and then Bruno with uh, whoever either side of him. Uh, I, look, I was delighted to see uh, Fred and McTominay start in the middle of that park. But h- how did you feel when those lineups came out? But the lineups came out, I was very surprised with how we actually lined out. Um, you see, McFred, I like McFred personally. I like Fred He's limited in what he can do, but he is a Jorcel Bunny, as Mark Goldberg likes to call him. He will <laughs> run about. He will, he'll cause havoc. Although his passing isn't quite up to standard, he does put a shift in. McTominay is the opposite in the sense that he, he is a Jorcel Bunny as well, but he offers a lot more going um, attack-wise, and he, he, he is a big boy, so he does get involved in challenges. I wasn't expecting Pogba to start on the wing. I know that he has done... Um, in the past, but I was expecting a diamond um, mm-hmm. where McTominay and Pogba kind of playing as box-to-box outside, where I think McTominay would be a better used personally as a box-to-box because he has a good finish on him, like seven goals a season from a defensive midfielder is incredible. So I was very shocked with the way it lined out, but I was happy with the way it lined out because the way it kind of worked out was when Celso was playing Cam, you know, the number 10 role, I wasn't really worried then because it gave McTominay and Fred a, a bit of confidence to know, look, we won't be caught out by a skiller here, like you know, something that Deli Ali could do or Lucas or Bale. So he Lucelso, although he's a good player, he's very limited in that sort of way. So I was very confident on that. With Pogba, 
I w- didn't want him to play on the left. And I was watching um, James uh, uh, Lawrence Alcosh talk about this as well, where Pogba started on the left, Rashford started on the right. I think it should have been the opposite way from the get-go because Luke Shaw and Rashford had that chemistry playing together for England there. They've been playing very well together on the left-hand side anyway. And Aaron Wambasaka, he he's kind of gets a lot of stick for not being very good going forward. But my kind of counter-argument to that is, although he isn't amazing going forward, he doesn't have a guaranteed right winger ahead of him every time. It's either Dan James, it's either Greenwood, Mata, Pogba today. He doesn't have the ability to make chemistry up. So the fact that Pogba kind of moved to the right-hand side helped Wambasaka because Pogba is technically the best. He's on the ball. He's one of the best players I've ever seen. So he gave Wambasaka a lot of time to just chill out, see what happens, because Pogba will dig you out if needs be. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up because I, when those lineups first came out, I, I was like, it was like, maybe that will be a diamond uh, with McTominay probably sitting deepest and then Fred and, and Pogba sitting in behind Bruno. But then when we kind of looked through it again, I realised it, it would have been the typical 4-2-3-1. And I was expecting Pogba uh, to, to be out on the right-hand side because I don't see the point of you're already having to displace one player by putting Pogba out in the wing. So why then displace another by putting Rashford over to the other side? Because for United this season, 43% of their attacks have come down that left-hand side. And, and Rashford, for all the criticism he gets in terms of his uh, his finishing ability, which at times does lack, and his, his decision-making, he has uh, made a very good partnership out there with with Sergio Wright or with uh with Luke Shaw and the fact that he could have targeted Aurier who at times was uh, left exposed by the the lack of tracking back in front of him I think it was probably a, a trick missed by Solskjaer but look in the end uh, it, it didn't cost you too much um with your expert here tuning in says feel sad for Mourinho uh, it must suck having these despicable modern players who don't want to play for Mourinho weird how it keeps happening uh it's almost as if he's a terrible man manager well you know what Alex I think you've uh, I think you've hit the, the nail on the head there and thank you very much for tuning in everyone do make sure to go over and check out the your expert on Twitter and YouTube uh, very good content there of course been on this channel a few times um David the the Spurs lineup we we spoke on uh, on Friday talking about how we needed we needed to bulk up the midfield we needed at least three in there we got that but then we got Eric Dyer starting center half alongside Joe Roden and I tweeted it Every single Spurs fan, when that lineup came out, every single one of them could have told you Eric Dyer, uh, whether it's an individual mistake or his simply his lack of ability in defending, it was going to lead to a goal. And in my opinion, it led to two. How did you feel when those lineups came out? Um, look, I, I couldn't believe Eric Dyer. Dyer was in there. I was joking about it the night before in my preview. You know, maybe maybe Mumbu to my play. I was joking. You know, and apparently Jose listened to me, lad. He said, oh yeah, no, listen to you. shots for throw him out there. Um, no, look. I don't understand that. Why would you just bring him in from the cold like that? You know, and and it was just purely to because he didn't want to swallow his pride in Toby Alderweireld. And we probably should have seen it coming um, Friday when he didn't want to answer the question. To be honest with you, probably should have seen it coming then. And um, look, he, he got that one completely wrong today. You, you can't defend him on that. You know that that's just nonsense. We all know he's not good enough. You know what I mean? Personally, I'd probably actually rather watch Sanchez than Dyer. To be honest with you, you know what I mean? But not Dyer, not Moonboots. There's a reason why we call him Moonboots and, and we give him all the all, all the stick he gets because he deserves it. He's just shit. You know what I mean? And look, in a way, you know, the club gave him a new contract. You know, they tried to turn him into a centre-back to cover a position, to, you know, to try and get away with it so they didn't have to spend money. And ultimately, that does fall on them. But, you know, the manager, you just you just don't play Dyer. Not in a game like today. Why would you bring him up? in from the cold for a game like today. I just I just don't understand it. It's insane. I'll be honest, I was absolutely shocked when I saw the, the lineup coming out and it was almost a weird feeling because of my predicted lineup or the lineup that I wanted to see, nine of the eleven players that I had in my uh, expected lineup were on the pitch. The only two differences were Dyer in for Oliver Viral and, and Lucas in for Bergwijn who uh surprised me by, by not even being in the squad at all. But I don't see how and we we've said it at, at times throughout the season but for me, to, today kind of uh, hit it home more than ever that every single Spurs fan could see what was going to happen if Eric Dyer started that game alongside uh, Joe Roden. But yeah. f- uh, somehow Jose Mourinho didn't. And, and I said it, no, there, are, there aren't many centre-backs who can deal with the, the movement of Cavani. Look, he's not the quickest player in the world. I wouldn't even call him the most clinical finisher, but he's so experienced and he's so clever and he's learned to adapt his game to make that movement a little bit better because perhaps he's lost that year at a pace uh, that he had in his, in his more youthful years. And our only chance to contend with that was having Toby Alderweireld, an experienced centre-back, to perhaps uh, counteract that. With the, as Martin said, the technical ability in there of Paul Pogba, the creativity of Bruno Fernandes, Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka bombing forward, there was always going to be good balls into that box. And Mason Greenwood, when he came on as well, 
so I don't get why Jose decided that Eric Dyer was the best man to, to contend with that. And uh, there was right, a I, I, sorry, just quickly. I personally yeah. don't think he, it's not that he didn't see it coming. He just didn't want to swallow his pride. And there's no way he could have thrown Sanchez back out there, but he just didn't want to sw- swallow his pride. And it, and that's it at the end of the day. He knew it was coming. He just didn't want to swallow his pride. Look, that, I that's agree on that. When I was looking at the sorry, Matt, when I was looking at the lineups, I was thinking Joe Roden and Eric Dyer against Cavani. Cavani is going to have his feet up. It'll be not even got to do with the fact he has lost the yard of pace. That that's obvious, but it's just Cavani. He's just sauce. Like that's all he is. He's just a saucy fiend. And you know, world class movement. (laughs) The movement is just incredible. And like Eric Dyer, he doesn't have the defensive awareness. You know, he just doesn't. Joe Roden's still a young buck who I was very impressed with today. I thought he was very good. Apart from the time Cavani nearly killed him when he was on the ground, but apart from that, (laughs) I think he was he did a very good job. So yeah, I was thinking Cavani will have a field day here. I think Jose kind of put that team out expecting uh, Greenwood to start where. Joe Roden and Eric Dyer would have a lot more pace than Toby. So they could maybe deal with the three balls or whatever, but that didn't materialise. But Toby versus Cavani today would have really changed the game, in my opinion. But as you said, David, Jose swallows his pride. It doesn't really work. Yeah, and look, I, I saw some people even suggesting on, on Twitter that perhaps Jose was trying to sabotage this. He's sick of it. He wants a way out, and he's he's doing it without having to... Uh, to resign himself, which is is uh, a yeah. something that's been levelled at Jose before. But uh, Dear here says, "Oh, come on, Dyer didn't play badly today. Uh, you're being unfair." I personally think Dyer, in the grand scheme of things, in the general sense of the game, he was quite decent. But it doesn't matter how well you play over 89 minutes if there's two or three different times when you cost mm-hmm. us a goal. Eric Dyer, his defensive awareness, and Joe Roden, I think, comes into it as well for that goal. That was Dyer was all over the shot. Absolutely, and, and and that's that's the problem against any striker, but especially a striker with the movement that that uh, Edinson Cavani has. Um, with that first goal, I think the, uh, the disallowed goal, the way Cavani got between the two of them, shocking defending. Eric Dyer is the one that needs to be commanding that defense as a more experienced player. That goal that Fred scored, I don't know why this isn't being spoken about more. The ball was played through to Cavani. Uh, brought a very, very good save out of Hugo Lloris. And Eric Dyer is just walking backwards with his hand up towards the linesman, calling for an offside when Cavani was five yards onside. Dyer needs to be getting in that position where he's in front of Fred, so if any ball breaks, he manages to clear that. I couldn't care less if Dyer played like prime Maldini over the 90 minutes. If he makes a mistake that leads to a goal that ultimately swings the game in Man United's favour, it's a bad game for him. It's as simple as that. And I know it may be, for, for fans of Eric Dyer, people who at times do feel are being too harsh on him, it may be hard to hear. But if he costs us the game, it's a bad performance, no matter how good he was for, for the rest of the game. On that second goal that Cavani scored, uh, brilliant ball in by Mason Greenwood. Credit where it's due. I think it was a really good goal from a United point of view. But Eric Dyer and Serge Aurier, neither of them knew where Cavani was. Well, okay, Aurier did know where he was, but just didn't have the defensive awareness or the simple, basic understanding of football to get goal side of him. And Dyer... He just had to look over his shoulder. He sees Cavani. Neither of them were goal side. Neither of them were ever in charge of that situation. And it's a goal that, despite the quality from Man United, could entirely have been avoided. Um, and look, we, we will get that um, onto that a bit more. Uh, Wayne where Bradley says, whoever we put as our centre-back pair are shocking. Uh, and that is the, the, the sad truth of it, to be honest. But looking back at that first half, Martin, I think it, you, you may agree that Spurs probably had the, the better of that half. And it, it came down a lot to, to the midfield battle, which I think Spurs did very well in, especially in the opening quarter. Oh, absolutely. Um, watching the first half, I was thinking, okay, <laughs> this is it. We're going to lose here. We're going to get back into a top four race where we don't want to be in. We're going to come to a position right now, but the thing is, we could easily just lose a game and then all of a sudden we're back in it. So um, I was very impressed with Lo Celso and Matt knows I'm not a big fan of Lo Celso. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very impressed with him, his pressing and obviously Hoiberg, unbelievable baller like their pressing was great and Nambele kind of had a free roam type role but that pressing really did hold us back and then um, obviously with Sergio Regulon quality player Sergio Aurier going forward isn't the worst either you know it's when he's going backwards you need to worry kind of but yeah so you put a lot of pressure on us and then the pace of Son and Harry Kane the ability to just ping a pass from 50 yards is always there it's always in the back of your head so um, the first half I was before the the McTominay incident, I was thinking, you know, this game's very boring. It would probably be maybe a 1-0 goal game where we've seen with United and the, the big six over the season is very defensive, even though this time it wasn't. It's just maybe things weren't going away. Spurs were just had our number. But then I think that incident sparked something in United. They were like, you know what? The, our head is gone. 
we need to do something about this. And then that led to halftime, went 1-0 down, a brilliant goal by Spurs. And I was thinking, you know, I when the halftime whistle blew, I was thinking, we're going to win this game. It's just something I saw. I saw a fire in the belly of all the players. And I was thinking the second half, because United are the better team in the second half. It's just a thing we do, unfortunately. We put ourselves in that situation. So, yeah, I was thinking the first half was right off. Spurs played very well. And then the second half, things changed. You're muted, Matt. I think that, that that's, that's a good point on uh, the point of United being a second half team and it played right into your hands because Spurs are a first half team and yeah, we've now exactly. uh, dropped we've dropped more points than every team except Southampton from winning positions this season haven't been 1-0 one, one up at the break it's it's absolutely devastating but again David it was it was a good first half performance it wasn't the best performance in the world we didn't go and play United off the park but we did the basics we were compact defensively apart from that one moment where we got very lucky with the, the VAR decision we were solid going forward uh, we were as Martin said very good in that press we weren't letting United get much of the ball and we, I wouldn't say we had a chance to pull the game away from United because we didn't have too many clear-cut opportunities, but we had the chance to, to really take control of that game in the, in, the, in the first half. And it was ultimately a good 45 minutes, wasn't it? No, it was. Look, the first half was fun. I was actually surprised, to be honest with you. I was actually enjoying it. You know what I mean? Look, we weren't, look don't get me wrong. We weren't, we weren't anything special, but it was nice to see us do the basics, right? You know, a passable player in the, in the same colour shirt, control the ball with one touch, not two, three touches, you know? Get, you know, running about, getting stuck in, getting amongst them. It was nice to see that. But ultimately, what 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 happened then? You know, we went in like in a half time. But like I said, you know, the lad, the lad, going into stoppage time uh, at half time, Matty, the, the warning signs were there that it was coming. You know, I ran the outlet at half time and I was saying, look, mm-hmm. we need two goals to we or we need another goal to even try and get a point out of this game because I knew United were going to come out in the second half. I knew United were never going to be as bad as they were in the first half. We got at them. We rattled their cages. And but it's the same thing we've seen time and time again this season. Tottenham are in the lead, they get nervy. No, our players, we don't want to win. We don't want to win. We're a bunch of losers. That's what we are. We don't want the three points and we just gift wrap them and send them straight to the opposition because we like you know, it's the, like but when the same thing keeps happening over and over and over again, it's inevitable. You know, that's when you start doing the mistakes, you start giving away the ball stopping. You know, you start having to take two or three touches to control the ball. And then it compiled that with, I'm not going to bother making a tackle because, you know, they're just going to score anyway. Or Like at one stage, Aurier and Endembele had Pogba in the corner. And Pogba didn't even do any skill. Pogba just ran around them. Mm-hmm. Endembele, Aurier stood there. Endembele went with him, just didn't have the pace. Aurier stood there. And I'm, st- I'm, I'm like, man, that's our right back. But then straight after that, there was a ball that came in from the other side. And Aurier just let Cavani run. He just let Cavani run. He didn't pass him over to Dyer. Dyer didn't pass him over to Roden. And we're lucky that Roden got his foot on the end of it. It's shambolic. It's absolutely shambolic. And things have to change. And the only and the only thing, the only way football is going to get better at this club and the only way we're going to see a winning mentality um, is changing this squad, looking at doing extra things like bringing in sports psychologists, someone like that. And dare I say it, maybe a change of manager, manager at this stage. I do think if we could... I do think if we're planning, you know, a rebuilding someone to overhaul the squad, I do think you keep Jose. I do mm-hmm. think you give him the money to spend. But if you're not, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you're gonna have to sack him. You're gonna have to sack him because there's too many players not running anymore. And I'm just I'm just fed up. And it's yeah. not just down to Jose. Let's make this clear. Look, Jose's oh, at fault, he has his faults, and you know, there are a lot of things he's doing wrong of late. But you know, this problem was here before him, and as soon as he goes. Everyone's only going one way, and that's to the very top. That's the Enoch. Things have to change at this club, and mainly the playing, the playing, the, the the players. They just can't do it. And when the pressure's on, you know, they get nervy, they get jittery, and they just bottle it. Big game today. You know, other teams won all around us. We needed the three points. We we looked like we were going to do it. And, you know, when I seen them getting stuck in and and play acting and stuff like that, I was like, yeah, here we go. We're up for this. You know, and then when I seen when I seen United get the two chances before half time. I was like, it's coming. I was just compelled to. I was just sitting there waiting for it to come. And I haven't had to do that in about 10 years as a Spurs fan. You know, where you sit there and you know it's just coming. About 10 years, you know what I mean? And it's sad times. Sad, sad times at this club. 
It really is. And th- that that idea of, of winning a game against one of the big six teams, United sat second, being one nil up going into the break. You should it should be enjoyment, it should be excitement for the second half and hoping we can we can carry the game away. But I was the exact same as you. I was just waiting for for the inevitable. And I think towards the end of that first half, it looked as though you know Spurs would have wanted the half to go on forever because like you said, it was getting scrappy, uh, it was getting uh, a bit nasty in there, but that's suited Spurs down to the ground because if you look at the, the two managers that are there, perhaps the group of players. It's not the best squad to to kind of get that side of Jose across. But when you know he's in the dugout, that nastiness would have really, really suited Spurs if it went on for a bit longer. You know, at halftime, I was saying this second half is crying out for Lamella because he's that man who will get in and properly get stuck in with like the likes of Hoybier and Lacelso. And I would love to have seen that happen. And look, we mentioned Joe Roden a bit there. Um, I think uh, uh, he, he shone today. He really did. There was that point you mentioned out him clearing that Cavani chance. There was a few counter-attacks for United. There's one, I remember him tracking Pogba down our left-hand side, put in a fantastic tackle. I thought he did really well, but he's the type of player who who perhaps needs someone alongside him to, to command him and, and kind of show, show him the reins a little bit. And that should have been today, Toby Olive Royald. Uh, we've got Holly here tuning in, says, I hate football. Holly, we're, we're all right there with you. Uh, don't Sorry, you worry. Man, just, on, um, just on Joey Roden. How have we come to a, a position at centre-back where a player has probably played three quarters less games than what you know other players have played in that position this season? And he's looking like a most experienced and best centre-back. That's yeah. a joke. Yeah. That's a disgrace. That should never happen. That's, this is first season in the Premier League. We signed him from the Championship. There's no way I that think, should be happening now in the, I I think, supposedly an elite club like Tottenham. I think that's down to hunger, personally, Dave. <clears throat> you know, you see yeah. Eric Dyer, he's kind of comfortable in the way. Sanchez is like, well, I'm going to start over Roden. Well, Roden came in with kind of something between his teeth. He's like, you know what? Who am I competing with here? Davison Sanchez? Okay. Toby? Good. A couple of years ago, kind of on the decline. He can kind of come in, kind of like what Greenwood did last year when he was really competing with one matter for the right wing spot. And then he kind of made it his own. I think Joe Roden will eventually just become a stalemate in the Spurs team when there's better players around him. I do think once you get a good centre-back, because to- Toby, I think if Vertonghen stayed over Toby, you'd be in a much better position. I know that it wasn't how it worked out, you know. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, Vertonghen's uh, contract ran out or whatever, but I think he should have really just went all out, gave him a blank checkbook just to keep him there, even just for the experience, just to teach the younger players. Yeah, I think Vertonghen has been a, a massive, massive miss for us. He really has. And look, it's, like Oliver Oil's name being on that team sheet and him being on the squad list is very different to the Oliver Oil that we're seeing in the pitch because as you say, he's getting older and through no fault of his own, he is naturally declining. That that yard of pace is gone. Um he still is a very experienced, very capable defender, but it's it's nowhere near the, the Oliver Oil that we had um had a few years ago. And I look going into the second half, I think every Spurs fan knew exactly where this game was going. And I'm I'd be surprised if there were some United fans who who didn't feel the same. I think the first ten minutes of the second half, we were good. We had some chances. We we were almost creating like we're getting to that last step but the final pass was just letting us down um we had a few half chances which which weren't taken henderson made a few good saves uh and then it started (laughs) that is where it started look before we get a bit more in depth in that second half there are 130 people watching right now so please do smash that like button um if you haven't already if you're enjoying the stream make sure to subscribe uh for more content like this plus watch alongs and the Tottenham fanboys podcast uh mr babaji here says uh martin is spot on roden had hunger to gain jose's trust good on him if only we had others like roden and that is exactly what we are missing um in that spurs squad but i think what what uh kind of swayed that second half in the into the control of manchester united was winning that midfield battle i'm not sure what tactical changes were were made at halftime for for them to kind of take control of it in there and one thing martin i was really impressed with was how quick united recovered on the transition uh, and completely nullified the threat of tottenham's counter-attack there was a few moments where there was one in particular where we got a free kick uh, just inside our own half was actually when Fred was booked and we took a, a quick free kick down the right-hand side to, to Harry Kane. And that's when you'd ex- be expecting Lucas, uh, Lamella, Son, whoever's on the pitch to be uh, bursting forward and getting into space. But as soon as Kane got the ball, he looked up and all of it there was in front of him was was six red shirts. I th- thought United, that work rate in the second half, especially on that transition, was was absolutely sensational. Yeah, especially because, as we mentioned earlier, McTominay and Fred, they would run through a brick wall for Ollie, And th- that's kind of something I want to speak about as well. I kind of felt like the second half for Spurs specifically, um, the players stopped running. Like Ocelso was end up subbed off at the hour mark because he just stopped running. He just stopped pressing and then that fed into United's hands again. I think Musa Sissoko came on kind of just to nullify McTominay, just to kind of match it for strength, not for height as such, but for strength just to see what could happen. But as you did say, it's just the way that United 
stopped your counter was having the Jorcel bunnies in the midfield just track back, track up. And he, you see, even Bruno, when we didn't have the ball, I don't know if you noticed, he went out to kind of right midfield to kind of help Aaron Wambasaka because obviously Wambasaka is great defensively, but it's just in case, let's say, we get the ball from the counter, they can pass it to Bruno, he can launch up to Pogba. It's kind of just the way it worked. And I think for most of that game, Bruno did play in the kind of right midfield spot and people will say, oh, Bruno didn't show up in another big game. But in reality, I think Bruno was kind of like a martyr for the rest of the team in the sense that he could have stayed in that number 10 role and play with Cavani up top. But he kind of saw, with the disallowed goal, the way that Cavani and Pogba just sauced on people, I suppose, that he kind of knew that they had a better connection. So he kind of pulled out uh, Pogba going to the middle and kind of see what could happen and kind of just launch the ball up to the other players and not be selfish. So, yeah, that's kind of how I'd answer the question. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like that. It's a lot more analysis than, than I could have offered it um, for it. But it was it was the, the key battle in this game today. And I, I think we all knew that from, from minute one. It was whoever could control that midfield. And credit to Solskjaer that he he, he managed to, to to get that done in the second half. But David, I think we're back in the situation where another very inexperienced manager has tactically gotten the better of, of Jose Mourinho. Um, you know, it was it was Steve Bruce last week before the international break. It was Mikel Arteta. It was uh, the Dinamo Zagreb manager from his jail cell. How how does it keep happening that that Jose, this master tactician, this uh, incredible manager? Look, don't get me wrong. I think Jose is a very talented manager, just not in this particular situation. But how does it keep happening that other managers are getting the better of him tactically? Um, to be honest with you, look for me, Endombele. I've I've always questioned his fitness. I've always questioned his fitness. Um, and for me, once once he starts starts looking tired and. You know, combined with Lacelso stop running, I think it's more than just tactics. I do think a lot of it is our own doing. I, I do, I do believe that. Um, but look, it's it's simple. You know, you just wanted the game more than us in the second half. They sniffed it. You know, they they, they knew even if they went down one 0 today, they came here composed because they knew Tottenham throw away lead. If the game, if they could get the game in the balance going into the last fifteen minutes, they were going to take it. And you know, it, it, look, it's it, it's. It's like that thing United had to get had to kind of stamp out where teams were just rocking up to Old Trafford and turning them over. You know what I mean? It was happening regularly for a little while. But then, you know, they, they, they managed to stamp that out. And I think this is a thing that we're going to have to just try and stamp out over time where, you know, when we're going into the last 15 minutes and games are in the balance, you know, and we're just going to have to try and start toughing it out now. You know what I mean? And look, I, I even believe, like, even if we get some better players in, I still think, with some of these players, that, that element is still going to be there until we just put it right and start grinding out the games and start getting the results. And look, tactically outclassed, I'm not 100. There's an element of tactics to it, but there is a lot more to it in, in terms of the Celso stop running, you know, um, and Nobele tiring out, you know, Aria not, 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 not doing his job at right back and, you know, giving away sloppy passes, which means then we're chasing the ball, which means we're tiring out quicker, which means they have the ball, they just, just keep keep the pressure on us. And then when, when, when you're giving the opposition the ball, eventually you just get tired of running, don't you? You're like, what's the point? We're just giving it straight back to them. And all of that combined is what's killing us. It's killing us. It's absolutely killing this club right now. It is. It, it really is. And I, I think it, it. there's a lot of people who have, you know, for, for so long said it's, this is the problem. It's only Jose. It's only the players. It's only the board. It is a lot more than that. It's it's, it's everything combined that 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 is uh, creating this problem. I think at the end of the day, with the way football is now, it is going to be the manager who who, who will pay for that. And like I tweeted today after the game, I said I'm done. Sack Jose and sack him right now. That may have been a bit kind of reactionary. Look, that's that's what football is. That's what that's what sport is. But I do kind of stand by the point that, that Jose shouldn't be at the club next season. And David, again, I fully agree with you that it is a case of if the money is going to be there. There's no better manager to rebuild this squad than than Jose Mourinho, but we know it's not going to be. We know it's yeah. going to be because of whatever players we sell, that's the money that's going to be reinvested into getting players in. And realistically, if we do want enough money to to properly fix this team, it's going to be it's going to be Harry Kane that has to go in, in order for that to happen. And I think today, yeah. for me, uh, at the end of that game, seeing the look on Son's face, the look on Harry Kane's face, I think today was the first time I kind of accepted that Harry Kane is going to be leaving the club this summer. Because he needs Champions League yeah. football, he needs to win things, and it hurts. It genuinely hurts me so much to to even imagine, to even begin to to picture Harry Kane in another team's jersey. But I think it is inevitable at this stage. And and Darren made the point a second ago that we are 
Um, we are four points off 11 spot. If Joe Willock hadn't hit that one in off the bar uh, last Sunday, we would have been fourth. Now we're six points behind West Ham. West Ham United are going to get Champions League football ahead of us. That is unacceptable. You know, at the end of the day, we're not expecting Jose Mourinho to turn us in, uh, turn us into a team that win the Premier League every single season. It's not going to happen. Like, realistically, we know we're not that club. We know there are teams in England that are going to compete more consistently at the top, top level because they have more financial backing or they've, they're have they ahead of us in that stage of, of getting that squad built. They have better managers. And I'm talking about Liverpool, Manchester United, or Liverpool and Manchester City and potentially the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United getting into that bracket. Now, what we need to do is progress as a club. You can you can argue to some uh, some extent that we have progressed as a club in terms of the results that we're getting um, from say the last season under Pochettino. I think our first thirty Premier League games this season we actually picked up more points than we did in Pochettino's final thirty. But the biggest problem, the biggest problem beyond anything, is the disparity in that dressing room. It is as simple as that. We cannot have a manager who is ripping that dressing room open uh, from its very core. And Martin, look, you're a United fan. You've been through this with Jose Mourinho. You've seen so many players. Um, have their careers at United kind of uh, put into tatters by Jose. But just from from uh, the, the point of view of a fan who's been through this before, what do you make of the situation right now with, with Jose in the dressing room at Spurs? Um, it's like deja vu, to be honest with you. Um, the way I see it is it's clear as day that the players are down in tools with Jose. And the thing with Jose is it can't always be the team's fault you know it has to eventually be his own doing and like we during the match i was watching it and it came it brought up a stat when luke shaw was on screen and it said luke shaw made like 29 appearances or 29 starts for jose as a united manager so jose kind of tried to dwindle him out he did the same with pogba did the same with lingard who jose kind of painted them as bad eggs which i personally don't think they are bad eggs i think the way that you know the way that the British media kind of portray black players anyway, it's not a good thing. So for them, it's kind of a big thing. You know what? This is a good story. We'll just run with this. But um, back to the dressing room. It's clear as day that the players just don't care enough. And I was kind of before I came on, I was doing some research <clears throat> on previous Mourinho teams, and he was most successful, of course, at Chelsea and Inter. It was Porsche as well, but at Chelsea and Inter, the the first time at Chelsea, he had a back four and a defensive midfield partnership that would die for him. He mm. had Ferreira, Cavallo, Terry, Joe, not Joe Cole, Ashley Cole. He had Lampard, he Cloud Makalele. They would run through a wall for him. At Inter, he had Lucio, he had Walter Samuel, he had um, Maicon, Cambiasso, Zanetti. The list goes on. They would run through a wall for him because they're so mm. defensively strong and they're so sound in their mind that they know they can do it. They know that if the Jose won't even dare to shit on them, essentially, in post-match interviews because they just won't take it. At Spurs, he doesn't have that relationship because football has evolved since then. Like, I remember I was watching an Ollie interview last week. It was with Sky Sports, and he was asking, the interviewer asked, what has changed the most from the dressing rooms from when you were playing and now? And he goes, well, when I was playing... The main thing was there was one DJ play all the music. There would be no phones, no phones are allowed. Nowadays, they all have their own headphones in. They're all listening to their own songs. They're all on Twitter beforehand. It's just a different time, and Jose hasn't evolved. And we've seen that he he does hang players out to joy. We've seen that with what Nate, not Nathan Dyer, Eric Dyer. He's done it with Regulon and Bale at times at United. Mm-hmm. He did it with the three lads mentioned. He just his style of management worked with the Inter Milans and the Chelsea's because their pride couldn't be hurt by what a manager says. The current Spurs guys, they need an arm around them. They need someone to be like, look, you may have messed up, but it'll be fine. We'll do it again next time. Jose isn't that type of person, and I think that's kind of where it's going wrong. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And um, I, I kind of did a video kind of touching on that earlier in the week and on a point that Daily Hotspur made on Twitter. And it, it was simply saying... You need, this Jose style needs 11 players who buy into it 100%. You need a team of Harry Kane's, a team of Pierre-Emile Hoybiers. And you're not really going to find that in world football anymore because player power has um, has really taken over. And I, I compared it, Jose's man management, to, to Bill Nicholson. And this is just a, a quick quote from uh, uh, an article I saw in the magazine during the week. 
it was uh, he would start most interviews by saying he'd nothing to say and would then talk from the soul about the game he loved. He was at his most quotable in defeat and would show no mercy to any player he felt had given less than 100%. And I read that about Bill Nicholson and it just screamed Jose Mourinho to me. And look, you can say Bill Nicholson is, is he's our most successful manager um, of all time. He won the double, he won the league. Uh, I think he won it twice. He won European Cups. He won everything. But man management in 1961 and man management in 2021 have to be very different things. It, it is as simple as that. Like the sport, it's a different sport to what it was five, 10 years ago with the introduction of VAR and goal line technology and all that. It's completely different to what it was, you know, six decades ago or whatever. And Jose needs to learn to adapt. I think people saying his tactics are outdated is perhaps a bit harsh because, again, I think he is still a good manager, just perhaps in the wrong situation at the wrong club. But it's his man management that simply has not changed and is not good enough. And he came out today after the game and he said, oh, I think we deserved a better result. I think the players did well. Uh, he, he had a comment, I think, said, uh, even when we lose, I like to say good things about the players. That is a lot of crap. And th- there's something in the live chat here today. And uh, I, I saw you in there. Thank you for watching. He said, well, when, when Jose gives out about players, you, you criticize them then as well. So like, what do you want him to say? It's no coincidence that every other manager knows exactly what to say in these situations. You defend your players, but you don't lie. Like he lied about Oliver in his COVID test last week. He needs to come out and say, look, they did well in certain situations. Think they did well here, here and here, but there are areas we can improve. We need to be better defensively or whatever. You don't come out and slander the players like he has in the past. You need to be honest and need to give a genuine, um, a genuine kind of idea and perception of the game. That doesn't mean you have to come out and say, oh, Eric Dyer is useless. I can't wait to sell him down to Leighton Orient. You have to come out and just be genuine. And I know there's only so much a manager can say, but Jose just seems to be going about everything in, in the wrong reasons. And look, David, I know we, look, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I've been a staunch defender of Jose for so, so long. I think in the last month, month and a half, I kind of been at the point where I think I described it as he's gone beyond the point of no return, where I don't think he's imminently going to be sacked. But I think we're at the point where he's not going to come back from this. It is only a matter of time before he leaves mm-hmm. Spurs. I honestly think the only thing keep him, keeping him at the club right now is that Carabao Cup final. If that final had been played in February, Jose would not be the Spurs manager this evening. Today would have been the final straw for for Daniel Levy and for Enoch, as it was for so many fans. Do you agree on that? No, I fully agree. I fully agree with that. I was only saying that when we were talking on TV. You know, after the Carabao Cup final between then and start next season, his his ass is on the line. That's it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, what what can you do? What 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 can you do? The club is a mess. With which with Jose Mourinho, Matty, like there's a lot of variables to this as well because. It's going to cost 30, 30 million to sack him, which means then you, you, you're you not going to spend too much on your playing squad. Mm-hmm. You, you also have to pay for a new manager in, in, in this in this time when the club is shelling money. And then you also have to try and rotate the players. The only way that's happening is if we sell Harry Kane. To be able to do all that, to be able to get rid of the manager and rotate the players like this squad needs, is to sell Harry Kane because the only, it's, the, it's the only option where the money's going to come from to be able to do it. But um, I fully agree with you. Look, um, Jose's comments are becoming more and more erratic in the press conferences by the week now. And um, I, I just can't see him keeping his job after Carabao Cup final, to be honest with you. I really can't. I really cannot see it. And um, look, I wanted him to succeed. Um, do I think he's been given all the tools? No. But at the end of the day, look, he's lost too much in the dressing room now. The writing's on the wall. The players don't care enough. They stop running. You know what I mean? He's not saying the right things in the press conferences. And look, time's up, I think. Yeah, I, I feel the same. And it, look, it is, um, I do think it is a big, uh, a big statement coming from you because you have been such a staunch defender of him and rightly so. Um, but, you know, if, if someone like you is, is, is saying it, it, the, the time may be up, I do think that is something people need to take note of. Um, look, I, um, one thing as well, quickly, sorry, mate. Look, I'm, I'm going to back any manager that comes in. And I'm going to back the next manager in the Hilt as well because at the end of the day, things have to change in the playing squad. So even if we get Nagelsmann, who I don't want, I'm still going to back him to the hill. You watch, man. I'll find every stat and excuse to back him. You watch, right? But, uh, and the reason why is because the board, I'm going to keep backing managers until the board actually give me a playing squad that I'm happy with, a playing squad that I know, you know, is capable to, to handle all the competitions. And then when that happens, then I'll start looking more into managers and everything else. But until that happens, I'm backing whatever managers at this club um, Matty, I, I do, I do have to run off because um, yeah. I was telling you, I do have my um, on stream coming up and that, and I just have to get a few things ready on it. But thanks very much for having me, man. I really do appreciate it, and um, I'm sure. Look, the, the watch along I think will be happening for the Everton game, and um, yeah, I'll be here for it um, after the the show. I do, um, but I'll be here for the for the watch along itself. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much, David, for your time, and I'll make sure to be tuning into your show at ten o'clock. I'll talk to you soon.
No, no problem at all. I'll see you, lads. Martin, absolute great to listen to you, man. I really do appreciate you having me on, Matty. And look, I know times are hard, but let's just get behind the club until the end of the season. I know it's hard. You know, look, I'm still going to be cocky before every game. That's not going to change. You know, in these dire times, I do believe if we can have a laugh with it, why we're shy, why not? You know what I mean? Try and cheer everybody up and stuff like that. But look, come on, you Spurs. Let's just limp to the end of the season and bring on next season after a good window. Come on, you Spurs. Fingers crossed. Come on, you Spurs. Thanks, David. Um, I, I, I suppose following on from David points there about the manager, I'm the exact same. You know, I'm, I'm never going to brand myself as Jose out because I feel with, with any club with, in terms of manager or, or board or something like that, like Jose out or the way uh, you know, United at times are, are Glazers out. I feel as though that's a very agenda-based uh, kind of, uh, not personality, but uh, kind of approach people take because it's regardless of what happens in the future, I want them to go. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm Jose out because if he turns things around, I'll be delighted. I don't, actively want him to be sacked but I feel as though it may be the best thing for the club so I could say sack Jose now but I'm never going to say Jose out because I feel that has kind of uh, certain repercussions to it uh, Robert Yee here says new manager won't change a thing we will have second rate players and has been uh, if Kane leaves and replaced by Ings that would be a typical leaving move and that is one of my biggest fears Harry Kane going and, and getting in someone like Danny Ings uh, look Martin we've spoken about Spurs uh, for long enough from a Manchester United point of view it was a very big win uh, you've been a bit iffy since coming back from the international break, despite having a good win uh, at Granada during the week. This one really, really puts you in a comfortable place in second. I think we'll all agree it's uh, a, a bit of a step too far to talk about a league title this season, but you must be delighted with United more than definitely solidifying your place in the top four. I am, to be honest, because <clears throat> I think I remember Joe was mentioned it actually in his pre, um, pre-match conference about Ollie saying that silver isn't that important. And I would back that it isn't that important because we've seen in the past, you know, Arsenal won a couple of FA Cups and they finished with like eighth and seventh. That doesn't show progress. We had we finished with 66 points last season. We're hopefully going to get past that at this stage. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it doesn't go too bad. But <laughs> that's progress to me. The progress to me is seeing Rashford. This is the second year in a row hitting 20 goals. He hit it, uh, I think, in eight less games. This year, we've had Bruno kind of, when he came in, he was the main guy that he had to do everything. He doesn't have that same stress anymore. You know, he has Pogba around him. He has Mason Greenwood, who hasn't had the best of seasons due to personal issues. But, you know, he, he's still doing very well. We have Maguire and Lindelof, which I think we need to replace Lindelof more so than Maguire. Um, because uh, we're not going to send Maguire, we're not going to get half the money back from. And I think <laughs> with Maguire, he gets a lot of stick because of his price tag. But Maguire is a very good centre back. He's just not an eighty million pound centre back. So, and then more so as well. I think Ollie deserves it more than anything because you know we've had people compare him to a PE teacher. I don't know any PE teachers that has beaten Pep, Klopp, not Liverpool out of the FA Cup, by the way. <laughs> um, being Jose, you know, the PE teachers don't do that. So I think he, now if he wins the Europa League, he will confirm it to other fans who were like, okay, he's not actually that bad when United fans, well, obviously there are some allowed minority who are Oli out for some reason, but those people are also Bruno out, which is very confusing. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> some so, people are never happy, are they? <laughs> they're never happy. They think he's a pen merchant and we need to get Jesse Lingard back, which with Lingard, this is a bit off topic. What I'm hoping for with Lingard is that he stays at West Ham and we can use him as a bargaining chip for Declan Rice, who would replace Fred, which makes even stronger again. Like if you take Lingard and 50 mil, that, that you know, West Ham are paying 50 mil for for Lingard and give us Rice, so we might accept that. <laughs> Sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> but like, you know, I think if we can make a little deal like that, put that money back into the squad next season, we could close the gap even more because I think we did close the gap on City obviously not it's not over yet but when you compare it to where we were at the start of the season obviously getting hockeyed 6-1 wasn't a good start we also got very lucky with, against Brighton when he got a penalty after full time so <laughs> <laughs> it was typical but yeah so I think we're in a good spot I don't actually have um, second place nailed down. I'm still very sceptical that we will get top four, even though we are in a good position, just because I know how inconsistent this team can be at times. So yeah. until it's mathematically impossible to drop out, I won't be happy. Oh, you know, that's that's such a, a Spurs mentality. Until <laughs> literally impossible uh, for, for things to fall apart, we'll 
that's when we'll uh, kind of have hope in it. I was going to take a quick look here at the at the Premier League table, just from from United point of view and from a from a Spurs point of view as well. Um, United sitting there very comfortably, I would say, from from an outside point of view, I suppose, in second, uh, nine points clear of Chelsea in fifth. It's it's turning into a very strange uh, top four race, and it's one that in past seasons has been you know the the worst team or the the least bad team, if that makes sense, has crept into the top four. Like, remember United or Spurs a few years back, the last time we finished top four, um, had an awful, awful end to the season. I think went three or four months without uh, picking up points in the road. Uh, we got in there. But it's, I think it's it's hotting up to be a very interesting end to this season with Leicester and West Ham currently sitting in there. You know, some big games towards the end of the season. I think Leicester's final three is United, Chelsea and Spurs. Um, Chelsea have United and City coming up as well. And, it's going to be a very entertaining end. It's one that finally is going to be an interesting top four race, I do think. But I'd, I'd be confident for United that they, they will finish in that top four, having a strong end to the season. It was something like 23 games unbeaten on the road now. Uh, they, they've done very, very well from, from a Spurs point of view. Again, I know we touched on it already, but a chance to go into the top four against Newcastle last week and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're six points yeah. adrift. And... Go ahead. Getting Joe Willocked. <laughs> oh, it was just him. The fact that it was an Arsenal player is just the, the the worst thing that could have happened. But you know, I remember debate. David said it during the game. He, I was watching the watch along. And he said he's going to score, and then he <laughs> ended up scoring the equaliser. But the relegation battle is even more interesting, in my opinion. Mm. Um, with Newcastle winning a very big game today, with Alison Maximin just did you see his goal? Um, he did like a Ronaldo chop and then yeah, just hit. Yeah, it. it was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I think my connection is a bit dodgy here, so I apologise for that. But yeah, Newcastle. No, I, I, to be honest, when, when Burnley went 1-0 one, one up against Newcastle, I was thinking, how do we not beat these? How do we not beat them? But it was some good goals to, to win that game for them in the end. But I think I didn't even realise Fulham had lost their last four. I, I do think it will be that three going down. But for, look, for once, we're having a bit of entertainment in the Premier League. You know, it's usually been relegation sorted by game 32, 33 in the last couple of seasons. Of course, we're not getting a title race now, but I think a top four race is one that will be uh, quite interesting. And for Spurs, we're not in the top four race. I think that will cost us Harry Kane, but we move on to, to Everton on Friday. Like we said, um, as far as this channel goes, there will be a watch along back on Friday. Um, I won't be here, unfortunately. I am working, but uh, Marcelo will be taking the reins and he will be joined by uh, David for the watch along as well. Of course, the members college show next Wednesday, we will have Southampton watch along for that one as well. I don't know if I'll be around for that one, but I will definitely be around two weeks from today for the watch along uh, Carabao Cup final Tottenham against Manchester City. It'll be interesting to see how much we lose by, because I think that is the <laughs> that is what we're, we're thinking of at the moment, just how much City will beat us by. But it's going to be a good day for Spurs. We'll have content uh, the whole way throughout the day. Um, so do make sure to smash that subscribe button if you want those watch-alongs, more streams like this uh, and the Tottenham Fan Voice podcast as well. We've had peak concurrence of 250 here today, uh, so crazy, crazy numbers. Do make sure to smash that like button uh, if you haven't already. We were aiming for 50, we're at 56, but let's go for 75. Uh, please do hit that like button, the 186 of you that are left. Uh, I do want to thank Martin. Uh, thank you very much for, for your time today. It was, like I said, incredible to get the, the kind of viewpoint of someone who's been through this already with Jose and giving us a, a bleak, bleak insight into the, the coming weeks and months for this club and, and what, what we should expect but as well to everyone who has joined us over the last uh, 50 or so minutes we do really appreciate your support on the channel uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in the whole time and as always come on you Spurs Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.